What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your man, DJ Square Knot. And uh, I'm just going to be chilling today, but I got someone that we're going to talk to. This is kind of my breaking in of the podcast world again. It's been so, so long since I've been there. And uh, I got a buddy of mine. He said he wanted to talk a little bit, so I'm going to give him that opportunity. And we're going to do it up like this, y'all. So as soon as this stream gets going, we're going to get it going live. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Facebook does its part. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live, this is your man, DJ Square. And and, uh, I'm in the house with a man that I've been friends with for a little bit. And uh, I'm breaking back in. So consider this like the test of Square Not Live podcast. But we got my man. His name is Antonio McLeod, a.k.a. Hotep. And uh, he'll tell you about all of that. So we're going to go ahead on and jump into this and uh, get him started. So um, I want you guys to welcome my man, D. I'm sorry, not D. That's me. But anyway, here we go. Antonio McLeod, a.k.a. Hotep. What's up, my man? What's going on, Timski? How you doing, bro? I'm all right. So, uh, how you been, man? I'm getting ready to power this on off this music so we can go ahead on into you. So, how have oh, you I've, been, man? I've been all right, man. You know, I've been trying to maintain, you know. Uh, I've just got a piece of the American dream. You know, uh, I finally bought my, I bought my first brand new car and uh, I finally bought a house and, um, you know, it feels good, you know? Good, good. So the American dream, you bought your house, you bought your car. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of uh, you are a veteran um, mm-hmm. and you are a Navy veteran at top of that. And then from there uh, you went to school and uh, tell us about your schooling. Uh, well, I got my undergrad, uh, which my, my bachelor's degree in uh, political science, and uh, I got my master's degree in uh, business administration with an international concentration. And, uh, you know, you know, the international concentration and teach you how to stay away from that inside of trading, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So what was your focus when you were going to school to get these degrees? Um I'll just leave it that you tell me. Uh, my focus was to try to better myself. Uh, 
you know, the thing about it is that um, I got so uh, good at writing writing papers. You know, after I finished my master's, uh, I wound up writing a book. Okay. And what's the name of your book? My book is called Ghostwriter, uh, subtitle, You Ain't Never Had a Friend Like Me, uh, Ghostwriter of the Machiavelli Album. Oh, Ghostwriter of the Machiavelli Album. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah. Um, well, actually, um, I wasn't initially uh, appointed to help Tupac Shakur with any kind of lyrics. Uh, actually, uh, the people, the powers that be came to me uh, and asked me to help Notorious Big because, you know, he was being, he was being robbed of his publishing by P. Diddy. And, um, and they was like, you need to do something, you know, so uh, to uh, throw off the whole thing with the publishing, I said, look, I can write some stuff for him. And, uh, you know, that way, when it come back, you know, if Big didn't write it, then, you know, Puff can't get uh, that part as publishing. You know, it's, it's some loops in that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, right. Uh, so, so I decided to help Big, but based on the situation with Tupac, uh, I didn't want to leave him out because, you know, he was wrongfully uh, shot in uh, Quad City uh, Studios in uh in New York and you know I I really wanted to reach out to Tupac the same way I was reaching out to Big they they was both uh up against a lot at the time they was up against their management their their label uh the people that was around them and um uh based on the situation uh I formulated some lyrics where you know you know uh, and 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 Trent's talked about this. He's all about, you know, you can get on a record and you could do a beef and it could be orchestrated. You understand what I'm saying? So in actuality, what I gave Big and Tupac to rap, I orchestrated the beef. So you know? let me ask you a question about that. Now you, let's step back a little bit where you say that you've written for both of them. Um, you know, some may say, that you didn't what what do you have to say about that and then two uh why would you want to perpetuate beef uh well i look at well i'm gonna answer the first question first and the thing about it is is that um it's people fbi and the cia and uh, uh people in the music industry uh they know without a doubt that i was a, a writer for both tupac and big they just seen the copyright in actuality, uh, the the feds had me sign over my copyright in uh, two thousand and uh, two thousand and three, and uh, no, it was two thousand and two when I signed over the copyright and gave them control over uh, what my royalties were with uh, Pac and Big, and then uh, they eventually gave the rest of the lyrics that was on the copyright to Ti Fifty Cent, who used. Uh, four different songs on each of their albums, and they made a single out of each song that they used that was mine. Mm. And uh, and they and they had a video for each of them, and they made a killing, you know. So, but uh, 
I don't see none of that money. You know, the, the way the feds muscle me is that they came to me talking about we don't want a Feeney to be sued by you, so this is what we're going to do. You sign this, and you don't have to, you don't have to see us no more. Mm. You know, so uh, they use a Feeney as a pretext for what they was going to do, and, you know, and then they asked me when it was out of my control, do I mind if somebody else used the rest of the lyrics? And I was like, man, y'all do whatever y'all want to do. Y'all already, you know, pretty much muscle me out of what's rightfully mine. But at the end of the day, I still got mine. You know, mm. it, it might not be the amount uh, that I'm uh, that I, I deserve, but uh, I'm taken care of. So let's let's skip on out of that because that subject there can uh, be one of those that you know can bring up a lot of doubt, bring up a lot of different things. Only you uh, would know that full story and everything that happened to you. So. Um, you know, with all of that, we'll just, you know, move forward with that. But what else is going on in your life? Um, you know, in terms of, you know, you've, you've gotten a piece of the American dream. How, how old are you, by the way? I'm 46 years old. So you're 46 years old. Are you single or married? Yes, I'm single. So you're 46 years old. You're single and you now have your, you have your own home. You purchased mm-hmm. it yourself. And on top of that, you have your own new vehicle. You're not dependent on anybody or anything. So that's perfect in terms of uh, a lot of guys your age. You you would you would you would be in that in that bracket to where uh, you're doing pretty well just in sense of those pieces right there alone. So uh, that's definitely a plus, and I would say it's truly a blessing. Um, so that's really good. But what? Um, what else? Where do you, where, you know, you, I know where you, you're from. You're, you're, fr- you said you're from Winston, right? Winston-Salem, North okay. Carolina. So in terms of being there, are you originally from Winston or are you from another state or whatever? Cause you know, here in North Carolina, I, I was, there's I was more. Born, I was born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So born and raised, but you have uh, jumped around a little bit, which uh, you've spoken to me about before. So if what else would you like to share um, about yourself, um, about some of your goals, uh, some of your ambitions in terms of what you want to do? Um, you at one time, of course, I put in the title uh, Antonio uh, McLeod, aka Hotep. Um, so tell me about Hotep. Tell me about uh, who you are as Hotep, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, um... After being a ghostwriter starting in uh, 1995, uh, by 1998, uh, it was more of the same as far as, you know, powerful people influencing me, you know. So my uncle, who was a gospel singer, he uh, he asked me to get behind the mic. You know, he, he asked me to get in the studio and rap. So in 1998, I started rapping in his studio. Uh, I had an opportunity to have a manager and um, possibly get a deal. And uh, the name Hotep wasn't even thought about at that particular time. Uh, 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 Like I say, um, when I had a manager, uh, I was staying in Virginia Beach uh, with him and his his house. And uh, 
his name was Kenny Jones, and he was shopping me around for a deal. But uh, his thing was uh, he wanted a uh, he wanted his own label, and uh, he wanted a distribution deal. And at the time, I was the centerpiece for all that happening, but he didn't know how to treat me as an individual. So uh, I broke away from uh, uh, the abuse. And, uh, you know, it was like uh, it was like how Suge Knight treated his artists. I was like, uh, I, I pretty much, oh, well, he didn't treat Tupac like that. But, you know, other people that was around Death Row, that's how he treated him, and that's how my manager was treating me. So I was like, I can't deal with this. And um, so I broke camp in uh, summer 1998, and uh, I came back to Winston, and uh, I was shopping my demo around, going to different concerts. Uh, I met Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh backstage, and, uh, you know, I got to see some of the big-time artists at Summer Jam, like uh, Busta Rhymes and... Um, uh, other artists similar to him. Uh, I got to see Trick Daddy and Trina, you know, and, um, you know, I, I even met Trina backstage, you know, and I told her she had the number one female sound in the game at that time. So, you know, right, real quick, with all these artists that you actually came across um, and were able to, um, I guess you were able to say a few words to them, um, did you take any opportunities to share with them uh, that you were looking to break into the industry? And did you share any of your music or anything with them? Well, I, uh, I shared my music with Slick Rick and uh, uh, he was kind of paranoid that I was even approaching him. You know, it was like, uh, I, um, I freestyled for him. After I freestyled for him, I gave him a demo and, uh, you know, I I got back. I met him in a club later on that day, and uh, hit people in his camp was saying that the album was that I gave him was hot. You know, you know. So it, he had Def Jam affiliates, uh, executives that was uh, that was with him while he was promoting his album, and you know, uh, that my that should have been the opportunity for me to uh, be able to capitalize. But I mean. You know, it's like today's time. I mean, they, they're not really searching for artists unless you just break through and be what's it. You know what I'm saying? You really got to be great for you to get a deal. You can't be mediocre. I don't necessarily think that I was mediocre, but I wasn't great. You know, so uh, it didn't necessarily raise no uh, eyebrows, you know, as far as, oh, we need to sign this guy. It, you know, they never pressed to sign anybody, you know. And then uh, I was talking to another guy that's been in the music industry for years, and he's like, hey, there ain't no deals on the table no more. It's, it, as far as 2020 is concerned, they're not signing nobody. I mean, unless, unless you, unless you uh, connected some kind of way to what's going on, they're not really signing nobody like that, you know. So, uh and they were they really weren't signing people like that back in nineteen ninety eight you know it's just how it is you know so so but uh you 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 shopped it around obviously you were doing some things where 
um, you did it. You didn't get the response that you was hoping to get, and being able to get picked up or whatever. So, um, have you shifted away from the you know the hip hop scene? And is there anything else that you're doing, or are you just chilling out right now and just enjoying life? Well, I'm back ghostwriting for different rappers, and uh, I'm trying to uh, um, uh, promote the album by getting radio play and. Um, and I'm also uh, shopping different artists around for uh, a distribution deal. Now, the thing about it is, you might not be able to get with a label on a contract, but uh, distribution companies are always looking for certain independent artists that they can just deal with uh, uh, and not have a middleman like the label. You know, so uh, that's that's something. Well, coronavirus kind of like slowed all that stuff up, but um, but um. Um, that's kind of, uh, the move now for, uh, independent artists, you know, get, go directly to a distribution company and then, uh, they'll pay for your, uh, your, uh, copies to be pressed up and pay for promotion and then, and marketing. And then they'll, uh, they'll even get you on the radio and, um, because they get their interests have to be covered, you know. So, if their interest, the only way their interests to be covered is, is is if it's marketed uh, correctly. So, and that's the only way that you can guarantee sales on uh, unknown artists. You got to get them get them before the people. So, in essence, so, your distri- the distribution company then be kind of comes be, uh, becomes kind of your the label without having to. Um, they, cause they, if they're going to incur all the expenses, then of course they're going to recoup those. So you're still kind of stuck in that same thing, but they are the middleman plus the one that's actually getting your stuff out there. That's, that's how I'm hearing this, but I don't well, know. I mean, well, understand uh, different. well, uh, regardless of you being on a label, if you're on a label, the, the distributor is, uh, the major go-to in uh, making making the album pop, you know. So, uh, if the distributor has a uh, label that they're working with, uh, they're going to promote their artists so they can uh, so they can recoup uh, what they have uh, invested into uh, that particular label. Say, like, I mean. I mean, I, I know this this may not be a for real number, but I heard that uh, Universal had gave cash money, a hundred million dollars advance money, and all and all that stuff was r- really recoupable. But uh, uh, they gave them that money as an investment to uh, to uh, well, it was it was a, it was a contractual agreement. And whatever they was gonna make, they was gonna pay that back and get what was ever coming on on top of that. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's an actual advance, and advance don't necessarily mean that um, uh, you just got paid. An no, advance means that, that uh, you have to give that back. And exactly. With, with cash money, there there was some something said about that in terms of they did get a huge advance, but um, they brought in several artists and were able to recoup. 
um, millions and millions, well over what they were advanced. So, uh, you know, they were in a good position with that. And that actually uh, really helped them catapult uh, because they were picking up artists left to right, not to mention, you know, Wayne was the, uh, the, the, the baby behind it all in terms of uh, the main artist who was really bringing in the dough for the company, uh, mm-hmm. which then, of course, they branched off to the CMB. But um, um, and the uh, what's what's the other one? The, um, the one that branched off of the, the bigger one. But anyway, um, so. With your projects, how many projects did you release? How many projects do you obviously you did it independently because no one would pick up? How many projects did you wind up releasing? Uh, I released three projects. Three projects. And um, you did you have any success at all on any of those projects? Were they, you? I know you were basically doing it out of the back of your trunk, but if, if you had to uh, think of, you know, number of copies sold or anything like that, or just getting, your, getting it out there, uh, what would you estimate? Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but the thing about it is, is that uh, I really didn't get a return on my investment as far as the copies that I pressed up. But thanks, Travis. Uh, Go ahead. But I got notoriety uh, within my community. Uh, I um, I got uh, a lot of hits on social media, and um, that pip was has been a, a big help in getting my music out there and um reverb nation uh soundcloud youtube vimeo um i've really i've really did the social media thing to where uh i don't have enough hits to where people will be interested in signing me but I got enough hits to where people know who I am. Gotcha. And um and and to be honest with you, my physical copies that I had, my CDs that I pressed up, I actually gave them out for free to uh get uh the buzz going or get that notoriety, which uh nothing ever came about as far as, you know, like um I, I even had a guy that was a record exec that he was giving them out to different artists that was in the industry and people that he know that's executives in the industry. And, you know, nothing really came about with that, you know, but they know who I am, you know, and, you know, and then a lot of people in the music industry know who I am from being a ghostwriter. Okay. Okay. Well, we got, we have quite a few people that are listening, um, that have come through and they're listening. Um, of course, my wife is listening, Mrs. Anitra Wilson. We've got Eric M. Bannon, we got Janisa Brunson, Lorenzo Smith, Joe Packard, and he's Joe Packard's all the way in Seattle, Washington. Uh, you got Ricky Clark, Jaleesa Carter, that's my cousin, Curtis Gray. We got Sterling Pickett, SJ1, All Eyes on Me DJ, shout out, salute. James Hunter, uh, my cousin Geraldine Williams. Uh, we got my man DJ Silent Professor in the house, salute, DJ Information Group. Worried up. Uh, we got Sharon Tristan. How you doing, Sharon? Travis Gales, uh, my man, DJ Travis Gales. Very popular DJ here in Raleigh, um, Triangle area for sure. Malcolm, DJ Yoshi in the house. 
Marla, Ma, Maria Sargent is in the house. Swerve hits out of NYC, the BX. And uh, he's here. Um, and uh, Travis did help me out with that cash money, did invest their own money as well. Uh, uh, Andrea Tillery is here. Brandon Washington is here. So I just want to let you know, you do have people listening, man. Um, so, um, you know, just keep, you know, keep going. And now let's, let's speed past all the music stuff. Cause we could talk about the music stuff forever, but, um, because of your music, that, that side of the music, you were able to engage, um, a sp specific situation that was happening, uh, with someone, uh, that had gotten locked up for something. Can you explain that? I'll let you explain more of it. Um, and I won't tell the story. I'll let you tell that part. Well, um, you know, it's like this. I got influenced by former Panther members that uh, used to teach at WSSU and um, well, they still teach at WSSU, but um, but the thing about it is uh, they had a petition going around in uh, 2001 that I, uh, I tried to get names for the petition uh, to uh, free Daryl Hunt for wrongful conviction. And uh, so that petition went around for over about two years. And uh, then uh, they had finally had him out on bond, you know, as to retry his case or, uh, or to come back with a, a not guilty verdict based on DNA evidence. And this is Daryl Hunt I'm talking about, you know, rest in peace. But, uh, and the former Panther member, uh, Larry Little, who was the head of the Black Panthers here in Winston-Salem, he uh, came to me and asked me to do a protest song for Daryl Hunt. So, uh, I had never really put myself all the way out there to where I could be uh, ostracized or ridiculed for any type of work that I've done. But the thing about it is that I felt like it was a, a good, the right thing to, to do uh, based on the situation that was happening with him. He had been incarcerated for 19 years and uh, it was just, uh, I felt like it was the right thing to do uh, to do a protest song that will put the heat on this city and and make the mayor react uh, in a way that, that will influence them to actually set him free. So the thing about it is, is that um, the song came out, it was a video done, and, and mind you, uh, they did the, uh, the, the, uh, the guy from Yale who he, he had worked with Spike Lee on some productions. Uh, his name was Charles McClanahan. He, uh, he did the music video for free and, uh, David Rowland let me record in his studio for free cause it was a protest song, you know? So, uh, I didn't have to come out of my pocket to do any of this basically because when I was asked to do it, uh, when I chose to do it, I was doing the right thing. So uh, not only was I supporting Daryl Hunt, but the, the camp that was around me, the engineer and the owner of the studio and, and uh, 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 
the, the video guys, uh, they all supported me the same way I was supporting Daryl Hunt, you know. So, uh, so I did the song, and and the first place it aired was uh at the talent show at WSSU before the, the day of the trial. So they had a talent show, and everybody was there at WSSU, and uh, and they aired the video, and um, then they mentioned that his trial was coming up the next day and asked uh, maybe over a thousand or more people to come out and support Daryl Hunt at the court courthouse. So, um, so that was the first place it aired and, and it got a lot of support. I mean, people, they, they was a carpooling and it was vans and buses that, students got on to get downtown to the courthouse and uh he had they had overflow at the courthouse they had where the actual trial was going on it was full and then they had everything else on video in uh different different places in the courthouse or different courtrooms of the courthouse where you could see what was going on in the actual courtroom and then the overflow, it was massive. It was it was a lot of WSSU students uh, supporting uh, Daryl Hunt, and uh, you know maybe people heard by word of mouth, but after seeing the protest video, uh, I'm pretty sure that influenced a lot of people to ask about what's really going on. Like maybe maybe I should go support. How do I get there or how do I get a ride there? So, you know, so people would ask the questions. Gotcha. So um, this video, um, you you have this video on YouTube, correct? Yes, I do. Um, do you recall the name? I'm, I'm quite sure you do recall the name of the video. So can you share that with us? Because I'm quite sure some of the listeners may uh, want to go back and check that out. You know, and of course, you know, we're sitting at home. We're kind of still stuck in, even though we're in phase two of the pandemic situation uh but a lot of us are still here and i want to give a shout out to brandon washington uh michael butler uh joseph mcclain terrace barnes big rough dj big rough in the house uh dj robbery thank you guys for uh coming through travis thanks man i appreciate it uh wifey i appreciate that response as well um so what is the uh what is the um uh, the name of the video that they can look uh, look up on YouTube. Okay, all you have to put in on YouTube is Daryl Hunt video, and if you don't, if you spell Daryl different ways, the correct spelling is uh, D A R R Y L. Okay. And um, you just put in Daryl Hunt video, and uh, it'll pop up, and you'll see uh, something a write up about Antonio McLeod and you'll see Daryl Hunt surrounded by different uh, reporters and cameras and um and uh just click on the video and watch it. It's got about two thousand views so far on YouTube, which is not uh big numbers but you know people got the message, you know, so but um but yeah um I'm 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 very proud of uh being being a part of that and um 
you know, I did things for other people in the community. Like it was a female boxer that I, uh, I did a uh, coming out song for, you know, when she come out to fight and she, she almost had an opportunity to fight Layla Ali, but it, the fight never happened. Cause uh, I think Layla Ali uh, didn't want to fight her for some reason, but I don't know what that was about, but, but she was the top contender. So it, the fight should have happened. But um, so her, what's, na- her what's, name was uh uh Carlette uh Ewell. Carlette Ewell. Okay, okay. So now we're fast forwarding even further. Um, we're coming into, and so this was all back in 1998 or early 2000s, correct? Uh, that was uh uh 2003 when the Daryl Hunt thing happened, and um. It was 2004 when I did the song for the female boxer, Carlette Eel. Okay. So now let's skip into 2010. This, let's, let's skip into the last decade, your last decade of, this, of, your, of your life here that you've had from 2010 to 2020. Um, what major has happened? Of course, we know that you bought a house. You know, you got the car. You're 47 years old. You did all this by yourself, which is, and you're single. Um, you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, back in the day, we know that you said you used to be a model, uh, back in the day. And, uh, of course they can, they can check that on your, uh, Facebook. Um, you know, you, uh, tapped into, uh, the hip hop scene in terms of your music and, uh, doing other things, ghostwriting and all that kind of stuff. But what else about, uh, Hotep, about Antonio McLeod, um, has, is going on? Um, and what, what do you... What are your plans? What do you foresee happening uh, in the next five years? What, are you, what, what goals do you want to reach? And bringing all of those that you've had in this past 10 and then looking five years ahead. Uh, well, I, I, I want to say that uh, it's a possibility that uh, I may become a motivational speaker one day. And... Um, I, when I was in college, I had a uh, a guy that worked at WSSU in, in the activities department, and he kept speaker. And I did a lot of speeches at uh, WSSU and different competitions and stuff like that. And he was trying to get me to go to other colleges, and I just wasn't ready yet, you know. But um, uh, I, I always remember what he was pushing me to do. And um, um, my goal is to uh, uh, give insight uh, to our people. You know, I mean, for the most part, our people are very intelligent and um, they know what's what. But it, it don't hurt for somebody to pull everybody together and give them a reminder of what needs to be done. So... Let's fast forward that a little bit further to these past couple months with the pandemic. With the let's you know what let's go back five months ago, um, mm. when there was possibly something out there that was getting people sick and we didn't know the name of it back then. But then by late February, March, we started finding out what it was and it turned out to be COVID nineteen, uh, aka the coronavirus. So 
what has been your thoughts? What, you know, from what, how did you handle that information once that information came out? And um, what actions did you take? You know, I know, of course, you, you obviously stayed safe, but how did that make you feel um, in terms of what you found out? And, and was there anybody that, you know, was affected by it that you know? Well, uh, I, I like to say that um, North Carolina is not a hotspot for coronavirus. And um, uh, we only have like uh, over, maybe over 850 cases at all in the whole state. So, uh, uh, but however, uh, I've been quarantined to stay at my house uh, most of the time. And I, I followed the guidelines with the, uh, uh, the, uh, the curfew. And uh, I was in before five o'clock whenever they had the curfew. And um, so I pretty much stayed safe the whole time. And I kept, I did social distancing. You go in the store, you know, they got everything marked out the way you have to stand six feet apart. And, you know, so they, we pretty much everybody for the most part is being safe. And, uh, you know, that's great cooperation uh, from a, a, a educated people who know, you know, that we need to follow these guidelines, you know, so uh, do, do I want to talk about what the, why this is happening? No, I don't want to talk about that, but, um, uh, you know, if, unless you want to go into it. Uh, that's up to you. That's up to you. Well, I mean, Michael, Cleon, I see you. Well, I've pretty much been on the right level, on on the right level of things, speaking to you. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I, me personally, me honestly, I feel like uh, coronavirus is this judgment on the earth. That's just what I feel. It's God's judgment. And a lot of people probably disagree with that. What what would make you feel that way? Uh, well, it's a lot of different speakers. That's a representation of God that has been speaking to the people before all this took, took place. Uh, uh, you know, not to say that uh, I'm a prophet, but I've been trying to correct people on Facebook for a, a long period of time before all this happened. And, you know, I've been writing passages, you know, different speakers have been speaking and telling the truth and uh, telling the type of judgment that America going to receive. And uh, they have, uh, they have really, uh, they have really warned this government and based on what's happening um, to uh, in the different cities and stuff like that, they riot and because of something that happened in Minneapolis, it, you know, the different places that it, that they're rioting in, it didn't happen there. So obviously, the people are fed up, and they well, know isn't, that isn't the that two different? Right. Well, that's huh? isn't that two different things though. You got the coronavirus. 
And then you have the situation that happened with George Floyd, you know, rest in oh, peace. Okay, well, now, yeah, that's two that's two different situations. Yes. But but guess what though? It ain't it really ain't apple and oranges. You know why? Because why uh because uh if God is uh if God is uh judging mankind with this coronavirus, then uh that that means that anything that happened that's uh negative. It's, it it will be time for people. This will be the time for them to rise up, based on God's judgment. So it ain't apples and apples and oranges. If 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 they chose this time to rise up in maybe four different cities aside from Minneapolis, then they write in tune. They write in. They write in. Um, they write in congruence with God with the judgment. You understand what I'm saying? That's just how I look at it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I will. I would. I would like to keep those two separate. Um, okay. But well, I, you but, can keep, but I would you can keep them separate. But but look, when the last time, when the last time other cities started jumping off, based on what happened in another city, when the last time that happened? That's usually a, most of the time. It's usually followed. Um, after some sort of uh, situation, violent situation um, with law enforcement, and you know, sorry to say, uh, and the people, um, and mostly um, our people. So it's one of those things where I, that's why I say I wanna keep those separate because we are gonna move into that uh, for a quick second. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I was gonna ask you about that is your thoughts, but I see your thoughts are rolled into the coronavirus and overall it's just that what a lot of us, you know, I have seen where they say God is angry. And yes, yes, it's obvious that God is angry. No doubt about that. Um, and you have, you, you but uh, getting into this particular situation that happened uh, there in Minnesota, um, I would say that that particular situation, first of all, uh, shouldn't have happened, number one. Mm. Um, and the numerous reasons behind that is because no matter, I'm not a, I'm not a police cop, I'm not a police or, mm. or a cop or anything like that, uh, but I know plenty. And I'll be the first to tell you like this. Once you are detained and you have those cuffs on your back and you are, your hands are behind you, there should be ever no reason unless you are doing something totally, totally ruly to where you have to lay down on the ground. Now, when you lay down on the ground, they still have you contained. So there's no reason for you to uh, put all this extra pressure like this, this cop did on uh George Floyd's neck. And that lasted for nearly nine minutes or maybe longer. I don't know the exact uh, time, uh, but it was long enough for him to lose his air and to lose his life. Now, that situation definitely pissed a lot of people off, if I must say. Um, and that's where a lot of stuff began. Now, people have been putting up with this for decades. Black people have been put, people of color have been putting it up, putting up with it for decades. Now, 
it just reached a boiling point. And then you have the coronavirus that also is bringing some, some extra heaviness to the hearts because of all the people that have been lost in these families probably. Um, and this is, com this is total totally compiling and making this one big ball of anger. I understand what you're talking about there, but we still need to look at this as a separate deal. Um, because as long as we try to roll them in together, and I'll say this, it helps the government with the sleight of hand situation. And they love the fact that there's all the looting and all the protesting over here, because have you, if you notice on the news, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, talk about the coronavirus like it's been thrown in our face constantly over the past several months. So that's kind of sitting off in the cut right now. And then the only thing that they show is people that are actually looting, they show some of the peaceful protests. But for every one or two peaceful protests they show, they'll show five bad situations of looting. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to, I, that's why I want to keep that separate because I don't want people to also forget about the coronavirus because that's still out there and there's requirements for that. And we need to make sure that we take heed to that. You get what I'm saying? We still mm -hmm. need to make sure that we're safe and we're doing what we're supposed to do. Some people are still practicing social, uh, social distancing while they are uh, protesting. But we also have to remember that there is something now called social connecting, which means that you can go out here and come in contact with someone and let's say you're in, in North Carolina. You do a mm. protest and someone is visiting from South Carolina. Mm. You communicate with that person or get close enough to that person and you pass that to that person in South Carolina. Now mm. that person takes it to the person in South Carolina, to someone in South Carolina who has a family. Mm. And then it goes on and on and on and it becomes this, net, this big mesh effect. Mm. So we have to be careful about that too. But getting back to the, 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 the protesting and the rioting. The protesting, perfectly fine. I agree. I know people, like you said, people are upset. Um, and we know that overall, God is upset. Whatever yeah. your higher being is, we understand. We understand that he's upset, and we know that people are upset. Now, in terms of everything else uncalled for i'll mm -hmm. be the first to say it it is truly uncalled for because i don't see and you can you can disagree with me on this I, as a matter of fact let me ask you this question mm -hmm. the looting aspect of this thing what are your thoughts on that well i'm gonna go back to what my father told me and i'm talking about my real biological father he told me that uh, different uh, leaders were, they were sent out to uh, calm down uh, people that wanted to tear up some based on the injustice. Uh, am I saying that what the looters are doing actually need to happen? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I wanted to make this point because it made perfect sense to me. 
I mean, it probably it probably uh, don't relate to your question, but I wanted to say it. Uh, um, if they're out there expressing what they feel as injustice, then let it go on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, um, you know, that's the only way that uh, we're going to get the attention that we deserve and say, this can't happen no more. You understand what I'm saying? When When the Panthers came out, with guns drawn, they was like, we ain't having it no more, you know? But with the Panthers now, remember, they stood ground and they put the words out there and they acted accordingly in terms of what they had to do. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't any violence, but all I'm saying is, for example, with this looting, let me give you, a, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. So people are looting sneaker stores. People are looting uh, pharmacies. Um, people are looting auto report, auto parts stores and things like that. But I want to roll back to, let me give you the pharmacy example. Or uh, food stores, because that's also gotten looted. And no one can tell me why this situation that we are upset about warrants the removal of a 65-inch TV from a store, number one. Number two, everything that is torn down, you need after this. So you're, you're tearing up your community or you got, and I won't say you're actually initiating it because what we're finding out is that there are other groups who are coming in and breaking the windows and doing the other stuff. And what happens is we are reacting to it instead of thinking about it and saying, yo, what's up with this cat that's covered up like this? He breaking and then he taking off. So, and because he knows that once he takes off, what's going to happen is you got an open window. People are going to start jumping through it instead of investigating who that was. Cause nine times out of 10, he probably ain't even part of us. You get what I'm saying? So, but getting to something as simple as the CVS situation. Now, you go and you loot a drugstore. You got people in your community, elderly people in your community who depend on their medication coming from this place. They depend on certain other things to help them get through their day. And what happens is now their place is looted. CVS can say, you know what? I'm not rebuilding here anymore. I'm not doing that. So now if they leave the community, you have not only done something for yourself out of not thinking, but you have just affected an entire community because now these individuals who need the place don't have it. So either they go without or they have to go further or they have to wait longer to get what they need. Sure, some stuff may be able to get mailed, but then some things they may need to pick up locally. So all I'm saying is, and I've been saying this word all week for the past couple of weeks, think, 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 think. 
there's nothing wrong with, 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 there's absolutely nothing wrong with protesting, but I just can't get down with the looting. I can't get down with any of that because what that does is that adds fuel to the fire for anyone that is looking at us and saying, okay, they're protesting, but why should we help or why should we even do anything? Because all they're doing is looting. So now we've given, we've given others fuel. We've given ones who the government, we've given them fuel to say, they're not, they're not concerned about anything. They're just looting. They're breaking down stuff and they're doing this. This is what you get when, when this happens. You get what I'm saying? So then the whole point of doing this starts getting swept up under the rug. And we don't need to do that. We need to continue to protest, but do it in a way where we are able to protect ourselves, get the message across, and make sure that change happens. Now, when it comes to change, you don't need to loot. If you want to loot, loot at the ballot box. Go to the ballot box and get rid of all those people, all those people that are in the, in the local government, and then work your way on up to the top. That's what you do. Because if they are not for you in your community, then you need to get them out of there. You need to work with people that are going to help you, help the community, help everybody succeed in that community. Not let it be about something that's for them. It's got to be something for you. That's what's wrong with a lot of politicians today. And that is, is that you get a lot of politicians of all races. They'll come in, they'll, they'll, they'll solicit you and do all kinds of stuff and say, oh yeah, I'm all for this, 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 this. But as soon as they get in office, they forget everything. And that needs to stop. And we got a generation of younger folks who, of all races, who are fed up. So all we need to do is get them to register to vote. If they are of age to vote, they need to vote. They need to register and vote to get this stuff out. A good buddy of mine, Big said, DJ Big said, he said at their protest, they had 60,000 people in protest. Now, just imagine 60,000 people going into a ballot and voting against all this crap, all, against all the governments and everything and getting, getting new people in there. And imagine if that happened all around the country, what kind of change we could have. That's what I'm saying to you in terms of what you said. That's my rebuttal to that. You get what I'm saying? Mm. So I understand what you're saying. And I know I understand that you, you feel a certain way about it. But I just feel that this can be done peacefully and be done right and managed by the people properly. Now, and the other thing, I want to I put this out there because I am no way saying that all cops are bad. By no means. Because I know some very good cops of all races very good cops but those cops are the ones who really really need to uh make sure that they stand up when they see something going on because i know cops that have said personally to me you know when you go against the grain the department kind of shuns you and it shouldn't be that way it should never be that way because when you take an oath it's just like when I went to the military, we took an oath to protect. 
when you take that oath to protect and serve, it should never be one of those things of abuse and neglect. But that's what we saw. We didn't see protect and serve. We saw abuse and neglect 10, 10, 12, whatever days ago it was. That's what we saw. You know, and, and Melvin Howard brings up some, some of these cops. Yeah, they're on a power trip. Travis says all black people march down to court and register to carry. That's all they get. That will, that will get their attention. Also, if black people please flood these companies, uh, so social media. Yeah. Wendell says, uh, I've said that for years, can't get anyone to stand up, but we all need to stand up. We all need to stand up because it's just going to continue to do what it's doing, what we, what it's doing right now. So for anybody that's looking at this or for anybody that is listening or for anybody that will share this, go out and tell your friends, don't loot. Don't follow. Don't fall into that category of, oh man, I hear a window break down the block. Not even where you're protesting. That's the other piece. It's not even where you're protesting most of the time. It's down the block or somewhere. And you got to ask yourself, why is it down the block? Why is it not the places right where you are? It's because somebody else could be doing it to provoke you. And once you are provoked, hey, you just go all in and then you got other people that's following and going on in. Next thing you know, you're in the store, coming out the store with arms full. Don't do that. Don't do that. So I totally understand what you're saying, Antonio. I, I know I done took over this right here. But, no, that's um, fine. That's fine. I, I like to hear you talk. But, but um, I, I, just, I just am really passionate about this. I have been passionate about it for a while, which is why I do my best to try to talk to young boys when I see them you know, something as simple as walking down the street with your pants down behind your ass. It's, it, you shouldn't have that because you're marking yourself. Don't mark yourself, guys. They're looking for anything. Some of these guys that are on these, some of these cops that are on these power trips are looking for anything to mark you. That's what they're looking for. So please, please, please. Handle things a different way. Please do that. But I am asking everyone, if you haven't voted, if you haven't registered to vote and you are of age to register and, and you are of age to go and vote, register and be prepared to vote and continue to vote, not only for the presidential elections and all that stuff, but your primaries too. Because you need to clean, we need to clean these different uh, offices out because these people, one, they stay in there too long and they get comfortable. Number two, they're making all kinds of deals on the back end so that, that whatever it is they can do, they can benefit. You don't benefit. Get rid of all of that. Get them all out of there. Get new people in there. Do what it got to be. And I know I could talk about this forever. And I will bring up another podcast on this. Um, and I will have probably a few people on uh, for this. So, but we're going to move past that. So we got about another five minutes. Um, so what do you see yourself doing here soon? You got anything coming up, uh, Hotep, that we need to look for? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as uh, the Guilford College radio station open back up, uh, 90.9, uh, they're going to air 
some of my music. I think it's the middle of June when they open back up. And uh and um so be listening for uh Elijah a song and uh it's a battle, another song, and uh be listening for Armageddon, which is another song, and uh be listening for Long Time Coming, which is talking about all the type of politics that we, we're talking about right now. So be listening for all that stuff on 90.9 uh, Guilford College radio station on FM. All right. All right. Well, we will definitely do that. And uh, my brother, it's truly been a pleasure to talk to you just to kind of really uh, launch Square Not Live podcast. Um, this is just me testing. I know I said I was going to start in April, but um, some of this stuff that's been going on has just really been on my heart and just really bugging me uh, for the most part. And it's been really, really tough to stay silent, um, especially uh, knowing uh, that this one really hits home as in, um, you know, uh, how George Floyd is related to the family. So it just really, really, uh, just really does something to me um, to know that um, that we are still dealing with this in 2020. We need to, I saw a t-shirt that Jazzy Jeff had on and I'll, before I say that, I'll say this. When a child is born, a child goes to school, walks through the door, kindergarten for the first time. If they are just, if they've just been raised to be a child, when they go through the door, they're going to play with every kid there of all colors. You can see plenty of pictures where you got black and white kids, Mexican kids, Puerto Rican, Asian, whatever kids, they're all sitting there playing and having a good time. Children aren't, aren't, aren't born racist. That is taught to them. Just keep that in mind. Children are not born racist. That is taught to them. And Jazzy Jeff wore a shirt that I, I want to give him a shout out for. And that shirt, where it would normally say racism, it said e-racism. Meaning that we have to start erasing that. E-racism. And as a matter of fact, I might make me one and wear it myself. E-racism. Because we need to do that. We need to get it out of there get it in and just start killing it because it's not doing anything but actually killing people and killing us and killing the human race. So just keep that in mind. Antonio Hotep, I really appreciate you joining me, man. And um, this has been really great. Um, I, I, I hope uh, you have uh, shared uh, most of what you wanted to share. Of course, you're always welcome to come back to the program um, and we will do more of this. Um, and like I say, my goal is with the podcast to release one at least once a week. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But stay tuned for, um, I got a Facebook page. It's called Square Not Live. Uh, please take tune into that. This is where all my podcasts will be. And um, I'm working right now to get them on, um, Apple, on iTunes and Google Play uh, and a few other outlets as well. So all of these, you'll start seeing all of those here, hopefully with the next uh, month or so, maybe a month or two. So, but uh, uh, I'm getting back into this game as well. Um, on that note, I want to say thank you all for joining. Um, I see a lot of people out here and, uh, 
and we will definitely, definitely, and yes, wifey, I will make you one. We are definitely, definitely uh, going to talk more and we're going to do more and we're going to learn from each other because I think that's a very important part uh, of this whole situation. We need to look, listen, and learn. And that way we'll know what we need to do. So uh, go from there. Remember I said register to vote and be prepared to vote in November. Start cleaning house, y'all. We must do this together. This is your man, DJ Square Knot for DJ for Square Knot Live podcast. And we're out of here, y'all. Y'all take it easy. And we're going to have a great day. I hope so. Take care. That was good, man.